Episode 4 The seventh president of the Pennsylvania Railroad did not follow Horatio Alger's path to fame and fortune. He enjoyed the advantages which his ancestors had grasped on first coming to the New World in search of religious freedom and economic opportunity. The first of his name, Jacques, spelt it Cossert when he left Normandy for Holland in 1595 as a Huguenot refugee. His son, another Jacques, moved to Germany and then to America in 1654. By 1800, the Cossarts had settled in York, Pennsylvania, and had become Cassats with a strong Dutch strain. Alexander's grandfather, Dennis Cassatt, emigrated to Pittsburgh in the early 1800s, where he married a Scotch-Irish girl, Lydia Simpson. He died soon after in Wheeling, West Virginia, leaving two children, Mary and Robert, and no money. In despair, his widow returned to her brother's house in Pittsburgh and married again. Her children grew up and married in Pittsburgh, Mary to Dr. Frank Gardner and Robert to Catherine Kelso Johnston, whose ancestors had come to western Pennsylvania in that vast migration of displaced Celts at the beginning of the 18th century. The Johnstons, all fervent patriots, were early and distinguished members of Chester County. Catherine Johnston Cassatt was a woman of superior intelligence, highly educated with a bright and animated disposition. The young Robert Cassatts settled down in Pittsburgh after their marriage on January 22, 1835. Their first child, Catherine, was born toward the end of that year and died the same day. The following year, 1836, Robert built a new home, where another daughter, Lydia, was born in 1837. In this house, on the corner of Penn Avenue and Bay Street, a few blocks from the Allegheny River, Alexander Johnston Cassatt was born on December 8, 1839. Of all Robert and Catherine Cassatt's children, he, in later years, most resembled his mother in appearance and temperament. A year after Alexander's birth, the family moved across the river to Allegheny City, a suburb now incorporated into Pittsburgh. Robert Cassatt prospered there, establishing a sound banking business and becoming mayor of the small municipality. In the years of Alexander Cassatt's early boyhood, Allegheny was a booming cotton mill town of 10,000 inhabitants, profiting from the western extension of the Pennsylvania Canal, for this was the brief era of the growing waterways system spawned by the successful Erie Canal in New York. The Cassatts lived near the Ohio River, which was considered the most desirable residential area before the railroad spoiled the riverfront. Although flourishing as a man of business and civic prominence in Allegheny, the small town could not hold restless Robert Cassatt, and within six years he had transferred his family, now increased by a daughter, Mary, born 1844, and a son, Robert, born 1842, back to Pittsburgh proper. 
The steel city did not yet enjoy the wealth which its chief citizen Andrew Carnegie would soon bring to it, but iron and glass mills were thriving, and a nucleus of professional men like Robert Cassatt were attracted by the commercial opportunities. Many of these ambitious businessmen were neighbors of the Cassatts on Penn Street, where they built large mansions with well-kept lawns stretching down to the Allegheny River. Occasionally, the river would overflow its banks during the spring floods, carrying lumber, boats, and sections of the gardens away in its swirling waters. The Pittsburgh waterfront offered endless delights to a small boy who could watch the red-jacketed loggers unload their timber or the heavy-laden barges dock with goods from New Orleans. The river was the chief avenue of transportation for the West, since it still took several weeks for pack trains to carry goods across the mountains. Life in Pittsburgh during the early 1840s may have been rough and freewheeling, but it did offer certain refinements to a culture-conscious family like the Cassatts. Although the city did not yet have an art museum, paintings were exhibited in hired halls. Pittsburgh's most famous artist, David G. Blythe, who was to win fame during the Civil War, moved to Uniontown in 1845, but he did paint portraits of some well-to-do civic and cultural leaders of Pittsburgh while still in his 30s. The Pittsburgh Academy of Music was established in the 1840s, and the Harmonic Society was already several decades old. Pittsburgh's most famous songwriter, Stephen Collins Foster, published his first composition in 1844. There is no record that the Cassatts and the Fosters were acquainted in these years, but they were to have a close connection through Alexander in the decades ahead. Although families like the Cassatts endeavored to improve Pittsburgh's cultural tone, they probably would not have endorsed the city's two most popular causes, temperance and abolition, which attracted many of the town's worthy citizens. Temperance and abolition societies abounded, drawing such distinguished supporters and lecturers to the Lyceum as Ralph Waldo Emerson, William Lloyd Garrison, Henry Ward Beecher, and Lucy Stone, all enthusiastically received by Pittsburgh stalwart Scotch-Irish Presbyterians and German Protestants. The Cassats were Democrats and worshipped at the Episcopalian Church. During the spring of 1846, when Alexander Cassatt was just beginning to show promise in the public schools of Pittsburgh, an event of vital importance to his future and that of his native town occurred in Philadelphia. Worried by the quick growth of the pioneer Baltimore and Ohio Railroad, which was threatening to extend its Cumberland spur to Pittsburgh, some Philadelphia merchants incorporated the Pennsylvania Railroad under a charter passed after much foot-dragging by the Harrisburg legislators. Philadelphia had decided to wrest the western trade from the competing B&O, which intended to channel the lucrative commerce of the backcountry into the Maryland port. But not until 12 years later would the first passenger train arrive, to much jubilation in Pittsburgh. Before 1848 had ended, Robert Cassatt, he had added an extra T to the family name by then, decided on yet another move. 
He took his family 250 miles east to a country seat, Hardwick, a mile beyond Lancaster. His inability to settle permanently in one home must have given his children a sense of insecurity, although the family circle was close and affectionate. A man of impeccable domestic habits, faithful, a good provider, cultured, Robert had an itch for adventure, a yearning for new scenery. His children learned early to be adaptable, to cloak their vulnerability with reserve, to find their pleasure in each other's company. At Hardwick, the Cassatt's last child, a son, James Gardner, named for his father's brother-in-law, was born in 1849. The Cassatt children enjoyed the rolling green hills of Lancaster County, the long walks, and the farm animals, especially the horses. Years later, Alexander recalled with pleasure the many rides through the countryside with his sister Mary. Always a great favorite of mine, I suppose because our taste was a good deal alike whenever it was a question of a walk or a ride or a gallop on horseback, it didn't matter when or what the weather, Mary was always ready, so when I was at home we were together a great deal. We used to have plenty of fights, for she had a pretty quick temper, and I was not always exempt from that feeling myself, but we very soon made friends again. Alec, too, had a quick temper, which he soon learned to control, accompanied by an extreme shyness from which he suffered all his life. If Alec remembered the horses and rides, his sister Mary's memory of her brother's boyhood were more prophetic. After two years at Hardwick, Robert Cassatt, still incurably peripatetic, moved the family again to a newly developed residential area west of Broad Street in Philadelphia. Alexander entered yet another school, a strict boys' academy run by an unbending headmaster. This intolerant pedagogue could not understand the ten-year-old boy's inability to recite in class. Thoroughly irritated by Alexander's shyness, he wrote to Mr. Cassatt that the only cure was a good flogging. Appalled, Robert quickly removed his son from the school. These constant interruptions of his academic life seemed to have little effect on Alexander's proficiency in his studies. He showed a real talent in technological and scientific subjects, which spurred his father to consider his future education. Meanwhile, the Cassatts settled into yet another house at 496 Chestnut Street and enjoyed Hardwick during the holidays. Mr. Cassatt established a brokerage house on Walnut Street and again prospered, saving enough money to plan an even more stimulating move for his family. Obviously, Robert Cassatt did not consider the commercial world sufficiently challenging to contemplate devoting his life to making money, but he did intend to secure a respectable competence which would enable him to lead a comfortable existence as a leisured gentleman. While Alexander Cassatt was a schoolboy in Philadelphia, he may have visited the museum on 7th and Chestnut, which had been sold by Franklin Peel to P.T. Barnum. One of its chief attractions was a small-scale steam locomotive, 
which pulled two cars around a track, designed by Matthias William Baldwin in 1831. Before the end of 1831, Baldwin had produced Old Ironsides, a steam locomotive commissioned by the Philadelphia, Germantown, and Norristown line. Alexander Cassatt may have taken the six-mile run to Germantown behind Old Ironsides, or ridden on the Columbia Road, which meandered out the Pennsylvania main line of public works toward Harrisburg. The railroad was still called a devilish invention in the 1840s by many Philadelphians who preferred the horse and buggy to the jerky engines which belched smoke and cinders, burnt their clothes, which often required the passengers to disembark and push the car up the primitive gradients. By the end of the decade, they were having second thoughts. Sutter's discovery of gold excited the country, which soon saw the advantages in fast transportation to the gold fields on the West Coast. The Pennsylvania Railroad placed its first order for three of the new locomotives the year Alexander came east. Contracts were let for extending the road 117 miles west of Harrisburg under the superintendency of John Edgar Thompson, who would eventually become president of the line. Robert Cassatt, aside from joining the Athenaeum, an exclusive Philadelphia establishment, took little part in the civic and social affairs of the city. He seemed to have small interest in the growing business opportunities of Philadelphia, and before long decided to take his family abroad. By the fall of 1851, the Cassats were established in the Hotel Continental in Paris, in time to witness Louis Napoleon's coup d'etat, which for a few days in early December brought barricades and mob violence to their adopted city. Mrs. Cassatt had learned French as a girl in Pittsburgh and attempted to teach it to her children. They were also enrolled immediately in a Parisian day school. Alexander attended Monsieur Gachot's academy near the Cassatt's apartment off the Champs-Élysées. Although only 12 years old, he had already changed schools at least five times, and this would not be the last because Mr. Cassatt soon realized that facility in French was not all that Alexander required. He may not have been dedicated to business himself, but he was determined that Alexander should be fitted for a career commensurate with his abilities. Two years after their arrival in Paris, the Cassats traveled to Heidelberg, where Alexander was entered in a boarding school. The move to Germany was not entirely on Alexander's account. Robbie, now 11, had been ill even before they left America and it was thought that a German specialist might relieve his condition. But that was not to be. His father recorded in a brief family history, For almost five years previous, Robert had been afflicted with disease of the knee joint. He suffered very severely at times, but he was a model of fortitude and patience. By 1855, the Cassats were in Darmstadt, which boasted one of the finest technical universities in the world. Alexander again settled to his studies. 
In May of that year, Robbie died from the mysterious bone ailment which had plagued him for years, and was buried at Darmstadt until his reinternment many years later in the family burial plot at Maisnil-Therabou, France. Disheartened by his death, the Cassats returned to America, to a rented home in Westchester, near Mr. Cassatt's widowed sister, Mary Gardner, leaving Alexander to complete his education at Darmstadt. Because of his extended stay abroad, Alexander became more proficient in both French and German than in his native tongue. This was to cause him some problems when he returned after five years at age 17 to America, where he planned to study civil engineering. At the Astor Hotel in New York, Alexander wrote a telegram notifying his family of his safe arrival. He headed his message, Astor House, but realized immediately that this was incorrect. Too bashful to ask for the proper spelling, he walked outside the hotel to discover the proper address from the sign. All his life, Alexander Cassatt was to have trouble with double consonants, a legacy of his European education. After a brief reunion with his family in Westchester, Alexander enrolled at Yale, but soon decided that it could not offer the engineering courses he required. He left Yale and entered Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York, the alma mater of another future president of the Pennsylvania Railroad who had graduated some years before, J. Edgar Thompson. The railroad, meanwhile, had emerged from its pioneer stages to become a major transportation force. By the time Alexander Cassatt had received his civil engineering degree, his senior thesis was entitled Review of a Pressure Turbine. In the summer of 1859, the first train had reached Chicago, and in the years ahead it would span the continent, the single most important factor in the settlement of the West. Alexander Cassatt determined to play an important role in the coming Iron Age, but first he had to find a job. While waiting for a suitable position, he returned to Philadelphia, where his father had moved the family from Westchester in 1858 to a house on Olive and 15th Streets, near the present City Hall. During that summer, Robert Cassatt took his eldest son to Washington to call on James Buchanan, a former Lancaster neighbor, who was now in the White House. By the fall of 1860, Alexander Cassatt had been hired as a surveyor, or rodman, to use the railroad term, by the same Georgia road which the Pennsylvania's president, J. Edgar Thompson, had developed. The Georgia experience, not an entirely happy one for a northerner during the months preceding secession, was to prove an effective training ground for Alexander Cassatt. 